Tell them all I said hi. Have a nice day. Champions crowned around Europe as Manchester City and AC Milan join Rail, Bayern and PSG as champions. Meanwhile, back at home, Red Star scored 10 goals on top of the table in both competitions in their search for global domination at the Perth Football Podcast. And welcome, one and all, to episode 10 of the Perth Football Podcast. Double figures, Josh Chyatt. How does it feel? That's absolutely incredible to make it to double figures. And I think a century might be coming up at some point. I'm excited well, to keep do, it rolling. We do 10 more of these and we've got 100 up. Uh, Tommy Dolman, one of our other regular contributors in the booth. Good to have you, Tommy. We are staying up, so we are staying up. Well, uh, Tommy, the Leeds fan, says they're staying up. We've got another Leeds fan in. I don't know why we do this to ourselves, but Luke Thompson is on the line. Luke? Yeah, hey, gents. How are we? Feeling very good today. Yeah, very tired, but very good. Yes, I'm sure you are. We've also joined by a very, very special guest, Diane Spaseski from Sterling. Diane, thanks for coming into the studio. Thanks for having me on. Uh, do you want to reveal to... We've got Josh, has been revealed before, as a West Ham fan. I, of course, am a Liverpool fan, along with producer Kalichi. And you are... An Arsenal supporter. Okay, I'm sorry to hear that. Do you want to <laughs> t- tell us all about how that how that happened? How did you end up supporting Arsenal? Uh, look, well, basically, growing up in Australia, um, you grow up, you tend to find your Premier League club at a pretty early age, regardless if you're from there or not. You get a bit of stick from the English boys about not being a true supporter, but Arsenal is my club. Basically, through um, you know three, four years old, have different family members telling me support this club, support that club. Coming from a Macedonian father. Croatia mother they support clubs from the motherland that no one here cared about so I just basically followed in my cousin's footsteps and just said yeah I'm a gooner so the cousin was the one that that led you astray yeah basically give a shout out to mum and dad's teams who are they so um big shout out to Pobre da Prilep from Macedonia just promoted back to the Purva Liga first league in Macedonia great so back on top and Hayduk split big club in Croatia yeah Hayduk I've definitely heard of not so say the other one again it just means um, it just means victory. So it's like Melbourne victory. Uh, okay. Victory prelap. The prelap's okay. the town. Obviously, victory, it might be a bit of a misnomer if they're just getting promoted back to the first yeah. level. <laughs> Although, they're there, and that's the first step. Uh, look, before we get on to the final day of the season uh, title challenge, which I'm sure everyone was aware of, uh, no more so than me, we do have two Leeds fans in here who we've been asking for the last couple of months can they stay up? Can they start? It really looked absolutely impossible. The way they were playing uh, since, well, really leading up to uh, the departure of uh, Bielsa, uh, Jesse Marsh's appointment, it seemed like there'd been a few things moving the right way, but nothing convincing. How did, oh, honestly, how did you guys pull it off? Tommy, Luke, whoever wants to start, I'll, I'll just step out of the booth for 10 minutes and you guys can talk about it. Well, I think the change needed to happen when it did because um, Leeds were just conceding too many goals. And the hallmark of a team that doesn't stay in the league is they often concede too many goals. They lack discipline. Um, the injuries build up. Um, and, that, and, that, and they're sort of – you're sort of ticking a checklist almost of, of what sort of happens when, you, when you're a team that's going one way and one way only. And obviously Jesse Marsh came in. Uh, there was a little bit of an upturn in results, a lot of them quite late on in the piece. I think there was 90-plus minute winners against Norwich, against Wolves, and, I mean, there was a win against Watford as well, which is nothing really to scream at given how much they stink. But, um, yeah, I mean, all's well that ends well, I suppose. I was certain that Burnley were going to win last night, um, but but thankfully we got the, we got the job done. Um, not without a little bit of a scare watching the other game, though, as Luke can probably attest to. Yeah, oh, Luke, yeah. Tell, um, tell us about it. It was definitely, oh, just having both games go. Um, then seeing Gelhard score and then get chalked off for offside. It just, <laughs> I must have, I must have woken my kids up three times last night trying to watch the game. Like I've got a bit of the doghouse this morning from the other half, I must admit, from being a bit loud. But um, yeah, then seeing, but then when Newcastle got the penalty as well, just sort of eased, eased a little bit, but it was just never time to rest. Heart attack all day, really. All night, heart attack, really. <laughs> The, the worst yeah. part, the worst part about that ninety minutes wasn't so much watching Leeds because Leeds were in a position where they were one 0 up. Brentford then equalised, and then uh, due to a little bit of luck with them having made all three subs and uh, Christopher Ayer getting injured, uh, they were reduced to ten. And then Canos got a second yellow card, having been booked for taking off his shirt in the uh, with the first. Oh, this is not so, not sure if Dayan's ever done awful. that after scoring a goal, gotten a yellow card for, for ripping <laughs> the shirt off, but. Uh, 
so, so Leeds obviously were playing against nine men for a, for a portion at the end of the game, and that kind of helped them to arrest a little bit of control back. But the worst part was watching Burnley just pump set piece and corner into the box for the last 20 oh, minutes of the game. Yes. And that was just awful to watch because we've all watched Burnley. We all know what their bread and butter is. And you're just certain that one of those is going to break somewhere. And there was a couple of lucky escapes in there. But like I said, oh, yeah, we, we just got oh, a the, little bit of luck on the I had day. My he- I had my head in my hands when that uh, – was it Veghorst? I'm not sure. I'm not a Burnley supporter. That's so the one, yeah. The, the big, the big seven-foot – 12 uh yeah got a toe got a toe on a got a toe on a cross and it agonized across the I really like him I I think he I think he could find another spot in another Premier League team surely what do you guys think about Vegas he seems to have very good feet for a big man well we were actually talking about that in in the group chat before which team do you want to go down so that your club can uh, strip them for parts yeah that's right so we did we did have that question and from a Liverpool perspective it's basically getting your hands on Calvin Phillips is the is would be probably the best yeah, addition that we that, could get. I think that's what West Ham were after as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. Vekhorst is, is a great player. I think he would be good for a uh, for a mid to low table side like a like Burnley. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not not at not at a top team. But I, I don't know. I, I think Tarkowski probably goes to a mid table team like a Southampton or a Leicester as well. I think he's good enough to stay in the Premier League. Maybe Corne as well. He showed some flashes. Nick Pope's a really good goalkeeper. I think. I uh, like Nick Pope. Dwight, Pope. Dwight McNeil's numbers have been very good in terms of creativity and and creating from from his little pocket that he. That he I'll, I'll be surprised if he doesn't find another Premier League team as well. Yeah, I, I just um, yeah. I mean, it sounds a bit rich coming from me, given how lucky we got on the final day with the moving parts. But um, yeah, I think Burnley had had six years uh, in the league before they went down. They did have that season where they finished seven under seventh under Deitch. But um, yeah, they are usually battlers, aren't they? And uh, yeah, I think it was just one of those things for them where. Um, they were maybe a little bit under under pressure. Sometimes when you're out of the relegation zone, going into the final day, you, you sort of got an eye on what's happening elsewhere. And it's a bit of a psychological thing, almost with Leeds being in the bottom three. They had to come out early and they had to start well. And that's what they did in the game. And obviously Brentford were able to weasel their way, not weasel their way back in, but they were able to work their way back into uh, things and had a period of control. But but Burnley sort of started a little bit shaky. Callum Wilson got a couple of goals, and they were even, they were never really able to recover until they sort of did what they did best, did what they do best. Sorry, in the last ten to fifteen minutes. Thoughts, Josh? I think well, but I think it's pretty rare. Like I think uh, Leeds are the first team in eleven seasons or something that have actually exited the drop zone on the last day of the season. So yeah, it doesn't happen very yeah, often. Yeah, no, I think the stats I think the stats show it's a lot harder to get out than to go back in. So it is a pretty impressive achievement. Uh, for your boys, especially, I mean, you must have been nervous going in with a negative 38 goal difference to think that you could keep the goals down on the final day of the season. Negative 38, was that what it was? That's amazing. That's... There, was, there, was a, yeah. there was a 7-0 to City, and I think we lost 6-0 to Liverpool as well. So there was some big that's, losses that's 13 in, two. Um, in, 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 in the middle portion of the season. Luke, are you concerned that even though we've stayed up, we're going to lose anybody? Uh, I think Rafinha's gone. I think that's, uh, unfortunately, I think he's off to Barca, um, as much as that pains me to say. Um, I think that's signed, sealed, and delivered. Um, the other one, Phillips, is just 50-50. If he wasn't such a hometown boy, I would say he's gone, but he just he just bleeds white. Um, so that's the only thing, thinking that he may stay. Um, I don't know if it's rumours or not, but I heard we've already made a signing as of being promoted. It's not been, sorry, staying up. So from Salzburg, Arnonsen, um, who's a centre midfielder. So, yeah, would be more of a flair player, I think, from my, from my understanding, number 10. So they're already starting to make moves moments after securing safety. So, yeah, we'll see. All right, this really is turning into the Leeds football podcast. So we'll, we'll allow you guys to uh, to take us out off the Leeds chat. What, what's that? What was the uh, the song they sing called, Josh? Uh, I, I, Tom, Tommy and uh, Tomo will have to have to close in on that. What, Can you what, give us a few bars? What's the song? What, what do you guys sing? It's Marching On Together. But Marching I'm, I'm On not, Together. Let's I'm, go, boys. So, so here's Tommy Dolman and Luke Thompson with Marching On Together. I've already given you a We Are Staying Up, Sean, and that's good enough for me as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, you're not getting... Sorry, Sean, you're not getting that out of me, pal. No. All right, no worries. Not not the most passionate fans, though. Uh, they're obviously don't want to sing their club creed, but... um, We're exhausted, man. <laughs> it's been an ordeal this season. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. But, I mean, uh, it's been an entertaining year, hasn't it? You can't say you've lacked for entertainment. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah, um, if it gone so, down, I wouldn't be saying the same so, thing. So let's move on to the other um, clubs who we have fans of here. Arsenal. <laughs> Did you watch the game, Dan? The Everton game. 
Uh, look, I watched it back. Uh, I think it was dead and gone. Seeing Tottenham, you know, I was hoping they slipped up in typical Tottenham It, it would have been the most Tottenham thing to ever yeah. Tottenham to, look, to lose to Norwich, but they yeah, they proved they can't even out-Tottenham themselves. Exactly. So. And you see the food poisoning rumours come up again like it did years ago, a few days before when they when they'd lost to um, Newcastle on the final day when they were all relegated. So oh, really? Thinking, yeah. You're thinking it's a possibility it's happening again. It's very spurs of them to do this, but, you know, I just think they had Kane firing sun firing I didn't think there was any chance there there is also the the point that needs to be made that Norwich City are one of the worst Premier League teams I've ever oh, seen in my 100%. life Awful. 100% <laughs> the, the way yeah. they rolled over in the last few games of the season with that 4-0 loss to West Ham and Shit. mistakes galore the the 5-0 loss to embarrassing Tottenham at, at the very least there was a bit of excitement with two really good uh, Son Hung Min goals at the end of the game and he possibly the nicest footballer in the whole Premier League and he came out with uh his first golden boot, first Asian player to win yeah, the golden boot. Yeah, I think boot. so. Tied for the golden boot with uh, Liverpool's Mo Salah, of course. Now, Josh, your team had some European football to play for as well. West Ham, uh, Manchester United went down, so the door was open. And tell us about what happened there. Uh... Well, we, we successfully made the Conference League, uh, <laughs> which I, I well, actually... You made European football. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know what the Conference League actually is. Uh, I'll, I didn't keep tabs on it this year, but I'll, I'll have to clue myself in before next season. Um, if it's like the Intertoto Cup was back in the day, you just you want to get out of there as quickly as possible. But it's good, <laughs> that we're, it's good that we're back into European football, at least. You know, we backed up. We've shown last season wasn't just a, a flash in the pan. The big thing now is keeping hold of Declan Rice and Jared Bowen and hopefully next season we might be able to beat Brighton. It's getting, you know, the feeling is that we'll be playing Premier League in 100 years and we'll still be losing to Brighton. Then we still won't have got a win. I think the last time we beat him was like a 6-0 win in the championship about 10 years ago. So Okay, so just your bogey team. Yeah, I mean, I think Brighton are really good though. Um, I'd... I'd I I think I think they're you know I had I think no idea how good Brighton you know, were ten I, I, years ago though when you beat them six. Oh, they were terrible. But <laughs> but but under Graham Potter, I think they're a team that you know can actually push and press press higher up, and they're probably one of the teams that are maybe a bit unfortunate that Newcastle are going to have so much flush new dirty money coming into the club. Yeah, well, I mean, you you can look you can look f- further ahead in football. You can look to the future, and and these. Oil states and countries buying clubs uh, left and right, and it is a worry. I I genuinely don't know where we go from there, and I guess that kind of leads us on to Liverpool, Manchester City, which is something I've been putting off talking about. Um, as a Liverpool fan, obviously, for those of you that don't know what happened, um, Felipe Coutinho put Villa two goals ahead. Liverpool were all over. Um, Seventy Wolves. minute as well. Yeah, so late I, in the game. So I just assumed, well, from there on, City are probably going to lose, and you know Liverpool are going to get the job done against Wolves. So I assume that we are the twenty-one, twenty-two Premier League champions. Uh, does anyone want to correct me on that? Uh, <laughs> of course, no. Yeah, Manchester the inevitable. City, the inevitable. Uh, I said to you guys before the podcast, as soon as they scored one goal, as soon as I heard that they'd had one goal back and that was 2-1, oh, like they're winning 3-2. It, it was a wave. It was a wave. You just knew it was going to happen. City have done it so many times. And, and look, uh, uh, thankfully, uh, as a Liverpool fan, there's already a couple of trophies this season. There's the big game next week. And a seventh Champions League would definitely ease all the pain of, of losing out on the final day. But Manchester City again on the final day again with over 90 points for the season again. So many league titles that we've missed out on, 13-14 and obviously, yeah, this year. And even if we go back before that, we had the 8 9 um, with the, the Gerard Torres League where I think at that point, I think it was 86 points we got and didn't win the league and that was a record then. That seems like... Child's play now, eighty-six well, points. It's... Gerard slip in uh, thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, yeah, well, that's I did. I did say thirteen, fourteen. Oh, sorry, the, the, we... the metaphorical slip this year. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it wasn't necessarily his fault this year, but um, I'm sure some fingers will be pointed. But look, it's obviously it hurts and it's it's a bit painful. But man, I grew up with Roy Hodgson. Like <laughs> I grew up getting up at three o'clock to watch Paul Konchesky at left back and watch us play some of the worst football I've I've seen and. Now, now we're we're complaining because we scored ninety two points in the league and missed out on the quadruple. Like, you, you know, you know, <laughs> like you know, I can I can deal with that. I can deal with it. You know what I think the worst thing is for Liverpool fans now 
Yes. Why don't you tell me what the worst thing is for Liverpool fans right now, Josh? Go on. Is, is now the door is back open for the Manchester United fans <laughs> who have had nothing to smile about for years who are going to go, oh, but you never won the treble. Oh, do, do you know the the last thing I'm worried about right now is Manchester United fans. They've they've got their own stuff to worry about. I think I think on a broader point, a, tra- a treble winning season, if they do go on to win the Champions League, is a, is a pretty remarkable season. And and we've talked about this uh, off air before, but the standard that Liverpool and, and Manchester City are pushing each other towards, at they're the not there without each which other, is, which they? is unparalleled, really, when you when you think about Premier League history. So. It, this is this is it's a bit of a cliche, but it is the great sort of modern rivalry, in a sense. And I just think the gap's so big to make up. I, I you see City just they'll lose a player. Jesus looks like he's going to leave. They bring in Holland, um, like Torres left in the off season. They bring in Grealish. You know, they, it's a sort of one in one out policy. I'm sure Liverpool will replace Origi with somebody in the off season as well. So. Um, yeah, and until Klopp or Guardiola leave, I just can't see anything changing. And the gap that Arsenal, Spurs, and that um, Manchester United have got to make up is so big. And even Chelsea, I think most people, me included, I'll, I'll say it now. I thought Chelsea were going to win the league. I thought Lukaku was going to tip them over the edge. But and it's I, not said, always that I said you were stupid at the time, Tommy. So <laughs> I just want that on record. I own, I own my errors. <laughs> I, I think how far Chelsea sort of fell into no man's land, really not playing... You know, they came third, but they also weren't playing for anything on the last day of the season. And how far they fell into no man's land showed what the gap actually was between them and the top two teams. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you're right. Once they did have nothing to play for, their results fell off. But, yeah, they, they just weren't there. Look, we need to move on to all the local stuff, especially as we've got Dan here. We want to talk a bit of Sterling uh, action and figure out what's going on down there at one of the teams chasing the title uh, in the NPL, Perth, Western Australia, men's competition. Uh, but we'll talk about the other champions really quickly in the other competitions. Uh, La Liga, the deal was already done. Real Madrid had that sewed up for a while ago. So congratulations to Real Madrid. Commiserations that they did not manage to sign Kylian Mbappe. We'll get onto that in a second. I know Tommy wanted to have a couple of words about that. Um, so from La Liga, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid and Sevilla taking the Champions League spots. So... Uh, Fantastic to get to see more Atletico Madrid football next year. Uh, in the Bundesliga, that was already cooked weeks ago, as it always is, Bayern Munich, or as it usually is, uh, winning that one. Uh, Dortmund, Leverkusen and Leipzig making up the top four. Uh, in the Serie A was, I think, the one other competition this weekend that the title wasn't decided out of those top four leagues. And Olivier Giroud, does everyone remember him? Popped up with a first half brace and just guided Milan to an easy uh, title. And now this is what I'm annoyed about because Milan did the nice thing for Inter. They went and got a 3-0 lead early. Second half, nothing happened. They cruised to it. I would have much rather Manchester City did that on the weekend. Just get a 3-0 lead. Don't, don't go two goals down with us at 1-1 and give me 20 minutes of, of, of hope that, you know, maybe I'm living in that perfect timeline. Um, but no, they just went and got the job done, including that brace to... Uh, as, as I said, Olivia Giroud. So commiserations to Inter, who finish second. And Napoli and Juve making up the top fours. Juventus actually coming home, recovering from their post-Ronaldo uh, hangover, which seemed to last a while. Uh, didn't look like they were going to make top there, four there for a while. My man I mentioned a few times, Tammy Abraham, 17 goals in the league and 20-something in all competitions. Had a great season, the, the highest-scoring English player in uh, Serie A in history. Uh, and they've also got... Their conference league final Wednesday night, uh, the oh. Roma. So you can go and have a look at that. Yeah, I'll see what, see the, what it actually is. See what the conference. I I can tell you what it's going to be. It's going to be a lot of uh, cameras on Jose Mourinho and him uh, yelling and swearing at people and maybe winning or losing. That's that's what will happen. That's my prediction for that one. Um, any more before we move on to the local league? I know you want to talk about uh, Kylian Mbappe and that whole thing. I find it insufferable. It's the most... I think the last time there was a transfer like this that reminded me of this, it was Eden Hazard when he was talking about where he was going to go before he moved to Chelsea. And it was it was all like just giving out clues, like, oh, I'm going to a team wearing blue and I'm this. And it's just all the focus is on this one player and this one transfer. Like, he's bigger than any club in the world. It's like LeBron, Killian, is LeBron Killian, James in the decision. Is Kylian Mbappe that good? He's very good. Um... It was a surprise. I think many people expected that he was going to sign for Real Madrid. That's kind of been the talk of the town for 
um, a number of weeks now. I suppose the the area that I wanted to bring you guys on is um, I think we're heading to a, a situation now with transfers um, where it's going to become a little bit like the NBA and the NFL where the top sort of 10 to 15 to 20 of the top players around the world are just going to be able to sign for two-year, three-year deals, run out their contracts, and then sign on elsewhere for bigger commissions. And that's for, for agent commissions and various other um, amounts of money instead of um, the clubs paying transfer fees for them. Um, I think that's just the direction it's going and until the agents come in and sort of um, – sorry, the rules come in where they can sort of rectify how much money agents can sort of pocket from these transfers. That's going to be something that's going to sort of rumble on where I think your top echelon of players in world football are just going to continue to move from club to club where the money is. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I think he got, what was that, 150 million euros, like re-signing on bonus or something just for staying at PSG. I'd what what even is that money? I I mean I don't even know what a million dollars. I can barely deal with a hundred bucks. I can barely figure <laughs> out what that can buy me. But one hundred and fifty million euros just for staying where you are. Man. It's uh, it's some weird stuff as well. Crazy. It's like agreements that he's got to be at the center of all of their commercial advertising and partnerships and things like that. He gets to choose what pizza they have at the cafe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tonight, yeah, yeah. What 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 um what lollies are stocked in the uh. In the in those little what movie they're watching yeah, in the vending machine, night. yeah, 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 all that sort of stuff. I hear that is all in the contract. Okay, we are going to move on. That's enough world football, I guess. Congratulations, Manchester City. Well done, well done, AC Milan, of course. And uh, yeah, we will be back and dive into the NPL men's competition in part two with Diane. Uh, once I can figure out how this mouse works and how to stop the recording, I just did it. All right, we'll be back with part two in a second. And welcome back, part two of episode 10. We are rolling along. We've still got Diane Spaseski in here, the uh, Sterling, oh, wait a minute, captain, right? That's El right. Capitan. We don't need to start that again. I knew, thought you were the skipper. Uh, skipper of a side that's come up this year, straight up the top of the league. I won't say no one expected it, because there were a few people saying that look out for this Sterling team, that they're, they're quite good. But the start, this start of the season, to be up there where you are at the moment... Must be even a little bit of a surprise to you, is it? Look, personally, coming up with the majority of the squad we won the Div 1 with, um, obviously we kind of cruised through that league. I think we won it with five, six games to spare. We knew the quality that we were bringing in on top of what we already had. And um, I do think it came as a surprise to a lot of people from the outside. But people who knew their stuff, I think that they knew from the start we were going to challenge. We were nice and clear about that from the start. We didn't hide away from that. We weren't... I know it's cliche to say we're not here to participate one game at a time. We were quite clear with the message from the start. We're in this league to win it. we got a bunch of hungry young players. No one wants to participate. No one wants second. No one wants third. You know, we're not here to try finish top four. I think the nucleus that the club were able to keep, um, along with the coaching staff, I think you can't you can't argue that the coaching staff we have you can get better than that in in this state. So you know it starts with that the club did very well to get the coaching staff in, and they also done um, extremely well. I think starting from last year, bringing in some so-called unknown players from around Div One, things like that, young guys that have come in and like even surprised like myself. I'm I'm I've gone there and I've gone there back to play at a Div One club, and I'm saying all right, well you know what are you, what are you bringing in around me? And they're telling me names. And I'm sitting thinking, who? Like, what, what are they going to do? Like, I'm here to try win this Div Bosdet. One. Who's Bosdet? Yeah, who's this Bosdet? And he comes in and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, is this the water boy or is this our goalkeeper? And um, look, he's, he's proved to actually be, you know, like it didn't take me long to realise how, how much of a player Bosdet is. And as you guys probably see watching the games, he, he, he gets us over the line yeah. more often than not yeah. in tight games. So, you know, we've brought in guys like that. Giles Davies, Sam Wynn, Asher Nelson. To me, these were pretty unknown players before. I think we're, what, six, seven games in. I'm pretty sure every team we've played against knows about them now. Well, the the game I was down at that uh, that I called uh, against Perth, uh, I think it was your second game of the season. Yeah. And, and and so when I say whether or not this start of the season surprised you, I, I'm, I'm not saying that you didn't expect to be up there, but six wins out of seven is is incredible what a start and and that second game of the season just it just felt like you've got you got the coach you got the backing of a, a really vocal supporter base when you're playing at home um but in that game you had Kai Matthews come on and play fullback for 
it just wasn't expecting to even be getting 10 minutes and he had to play a full game and he was fantastic. So you talk about these young players that can just jump in. Are there any, I don't know if whether Kai's uh, featured much since then, but are there, are there other young guys around the club that you can mention that you think are, are ready to jump in if they're needed? Yeah, so look, we have a few boys. Um, uh, usually on Thursday nights, we want to make up at least um, like 22 numbers uh, players in training for numbers. Um, we do have a big squad, but obviously with injuries and things like that, it's sometimes drop, which gives the players from the resis a chance to come up. Someone like Akai. Um, we have uh, another young boy. So I think Kai actually just went down and trialed with the resis. Um, and same with another boy that's with us, Alex Krasharski, a big uh, defender. So they went down, trial with the resis, and it shows it shows just how um, how like the process is there at Sterling. There's no favourites, there's no politics. You get the first team coaches going down to the resis trials. These two boys stand out, you're with us, and then you look at Kai, like you said, you saw him play that night. He started on the weekend. He started. He's probably started three, four games this season. He's Fantastic. playing out his skin. Yeah. yeah, he's been outstanding. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and... <sighs> It's not too early now. I, I, I was saying to it when I, I talked to Bozzy after that game and said it's a bit early to be talking title pushes uh, at after two games and two wins. But seven games in, you are now tied for top spot. Uh, two games in hand. Goal, goal difference is, is a little uh, adrift of, of Red Star, but you've got a game in hand on them. Two games in hand on Florida who are a point behind you. This this side wants to be their final day. Like we just had the final day in Europe, but but Sterling want to be in that mix final day, don't they? You, the title's the aim now, isn't it? Oh, hundred percent. Title was the aim from the very beginning, and we're not naive. Like we're not stupid. We don't we don't undermine any of our opponents. Sometimes they think like you know. Some people think oh, easy three points this weekend. You hear other people from the outside saying that never ever an easy three points. Um, you know, we go into every game, like we, we're coming up against Baysies and Red Stars and we know their players. We know their strengths. We know their weaknesses. We know we might have a little bit more of the unknown, but we definitely know we can beat them. We've proved it in the league, in the night series. We've we've beaten ECU or Red Star from behind 2-0 down in the night series, beat them 4-2, 3-0 down in the league. I remind them about that one too, 4-3 up. Um, that was sweet, especially being my old club. Um, Floriot, another good one. We beat them with 10 men in the cup. Beat them in the night series, 2-0 down, put seven past them. So Somebody th- stop this man. So I think these teams know. But like <laughs> I said, look, it's it's never any disrespect towards any club in, in saying that. We know it's a long, long road. We could slip up at any point just like any other club. And it's just about, it is that cliche that we do go into every game. And we did the same last year. And you could see it with our results last year. We won every, we, we lost round two, won every other game. And then we dropped off once we'd won the league. So I don't think the mentality changes until anything is wrapped up. We just keep putting our best foot forward every single game, you know, working with what we've got. We've got quality in and around the club. And I think the biggest thing for us is obviously, like you guys have said in the past, our supporters. So, you know, we're playing for the best support that you can see in WA by a country mile. And in games like when you're playing at home and it is a tough slog and you score in 90th minute winners and things like that, it definitely is the supporters that get us over the line. You mentioned um, Sam Wynn and Alex Tanevsky and a few of your attacking players uh, a little bit early. You've obviously supplemented that with with Michael Domfay and, and Calvin Whitney, who sort of need no introduction to um, MPLWA's followers. Um, I suppose myself and Sean were at the Armadale Sterling game, the first game of the season, and Armadale did give you some some troubles that first game. They are a tough team to beat up there, and I don't think anybody had any doubt about the attacking capabilities that you guys were going to have and, and the threat that you would pose. But how much focus did you have to put on that defence um, in the preseason, knowing that you were going to come up against better opposition in terms of attackers this season? And how well is that sort of meshed? And can you sort of explain your role as, as someone who sort of screens that back four and sometimes drops into the centre of defence? I think that was always a problem for us, conceding goals. Because although we obviously won the league by a country mile last year, I think we conceded the second most amount of goals in Div 1. So we were leaking goals. We were definitely leaking goals in Div 1 and we knew... Obviously, the opposition would be a lot stronger. The quality of players would be a lot better in the MPL, and we knew we had to tighten that up. Luckily for us, um, we, we did sign two new centre-halves um, in Luke Palmatia and Christian Jankulovski, and hats off to both of them. They've come in. They've shored up that defence. Um, it is my role, yes, to screen in front of them, but I know anything getting past me, one of the two of them at least, they're going to stop whatever's coming past because they've just been two rocks at the back for us this season. And can you tell us a little bit about 
what it's like to work with Fergie. He's obviously somebody who's had that A-League um, experience in the past. He's, he's a well-respected um, character. He knows his stuff as well, and, he, and he's sort of been there and done that. We saw what he did with Quinns as well in sort of getting them up to Division One. Uh, can you tell us about the sort of character that he is and the person that he is to work with and, and, and what, a, what a boost it's been to have him be at the club and, and help you sort of surge up to the MPL? Well, I think his name alone, bringing him into the club was a was a huge boost, just that in itself. But once you actually, as a player, you get to meet him and you just get to realise he's just a normal guy down to earth and, and you start to work with him, that's when you actually realise how much of an impact he can have, especially when, you know, if, if you've got players that are confidence players and things like this and that and you, you get someone like Ian Ferguson putting an arm around you telling you you've done a good job and he'll let you know when you haven't. He'll definitely let you know when you haven't. But um, it obviously just means that that one bit extra and you, you can tell the second he steps into a change room, he's got that respect instantly. Everyone just shuts up. It's Fergie's time to talk kind of thing. And um, yeah, he's just, it, it's been a thing that I've seen as a player that's that's been around playing in WA and things like that for ages, um, that certain coaches might not get the respect of players at this level. It's a, it's a hard one to, um, at like a part-time kind of level for certain characters to gain the respect of, 22 men, 20 men, whatever it is. Um, I, we're, we're lucky we do have a young squad that's willing to um, learn at every opportunity. And I think that we got the perfect squad for Fergie because it's just it just works both ways, the mutual respect. Nice. Oh, I've, I've got a couple of questions. The first one is, and this is one that we like to ask everybody who comes onto the show, um, in terms of the opposition that you've played, you've played against some really good teams. So who do you think has been the toughest opponent that you've played in the NPL so far? Or, or potentially you've played in the NPL previously as well? Um, I'll probably say uh, one of the toughest opponents I came against in the MPL ever was um, former Sterling player David Matsevsky when I wasn't at Sterling back when I was at ECU Joondalup and at Glory Youth. Um, coming up against him, as a, he's playing as a number 10 and I'm coming in as a 65 kilo number 6 thinking I'm hard playing for Glory and he's just absolutely ragdolling me. So my part of the game is meant to be, you know, like be physical with him. Don't let him do this. Don't do that. He's got me and Calvin Whitney eating dirt on the ground while he's putting a top <laughs> corner. And I'm just thinking like, you know, like, what are you meant to do about that? Luckily enough, I went on to sign for Sterling after that and I was lucky enough to play with him for a couple of years. So he's probably at, at this level the, the hardest opponent I've had. But I'd probably say currently this season, um, probably the most difficult game I had. I, I think I personally had a really, uh, I've had a poor performance in the, in the Red Star comeback that day. And I think that was largely thanks to my opponent, um, Andy Higgins, who's also a former teammate of mine. Yep. Um, maybe, I think a lot of his work would go unnoticed, but someone knows that knows their stuff. They will know that he's a player and a half. His, his one, two touch game is just like, I'm playing there as a six behind him. He's playing in at the 10. He, he's a big boy himself as well. So he's actually, you know, he uses his body well. And just those first touch passes he does around the corner every time. And he also I, never stops moving as well. He doesn't stop moving. I know he's a pain in the ass. So yeah, he, <laughs> he floats around that 10 roll. And, and obviously, luckily for him, he's got some smart players beyond him. He's got Nickel and Chockdale beyond him. So, you know, that might make his life easier. But in saying that, like they might get all the praise. They're the ones scoring all the goals every week. But coming up against them, I can see who might actually be the orchestrator in all that. He's always making that, that pass or the pass before the pass. That's it. Yeah, and and we well, we haven't even mentioned him. I don't think on the on the podcast at all all year, which probably yeah. goes to what you're saying. He he doesn't get noticed, but when you watch him, you do see he's a player that barely puts a foot wrong. Yeah, that's so. So he he may not if he's not scoring bangers, you you won't notice him because it's just get give get give exactly. get and just does not make a mistake. And unless you yeah make howlers or score screamers in that position, you, you're not getting noticed. So so that's that's probably why. Did you have another quick? I question? did. I, I I had I had a. It's it's probably the hardest question you're going to get. Um, Obviously, being a, a person of Macedonian heritage and playing for that club, what's that like? Because that, that, that feels like it might be a bit of a burden, especially when you're losing because it is a big community and they are going to be hassling you on the sideline or, or hassling your parents and making sure that it's a little bit difficult for them if it's anything like the Nigerian community I used to play for in New Zealand. So <laughs> what, what's that like when you're, when you're the actual Macedonian captain playing for the Macedonian team or the club of the Macedonian heritage? Because I'm sure when it's great, it's amazing, but... Is it every time when you're going, oh, man, this is a pretty pretty heavy captain's armband right now? Yeah, look, like um, I never really took it that way at the start. Obviously, Fergie, I've only ever been captain since Fergie has come in. So um, I, I was actually prouder of that moment, considering the fact that, yes, I am the captain of the Macedonian club here, but it being given to me by someone like Fergie that has no association with Macedonia and knowing that's not the reasons behind it. It was purely based on performance and character. 
and um, you know I th didn't think at, at that age I'd be given the armband and he's obviously stuck with me for two years with that which which I got to thank him for but um, yeah I think it's actually uh, helped me with my game and helped me develop and it's made me be a better leader on the park and um, you know like you said it, it can be a burden with the fans at times but I wouldn't have it any other way they let you know when you lose because I've been at Sterling <laughs> through the tough times in the past and they, they let you know you lose you know you're, you're a villain when you walk into those packed club rooms after but when you're winning you know, there's no better feeling. And I don't think, like I said before, I don't think you can get that anywhere else in WA, that winning feeling apart from playing at Sterling because you truly do. And and people, I think, uh, outsiders don't like to see the way we celebrate each week. They start to say Sterling celebrate each each week as if um, they've won the league and all sorts of things like that. But I just think it's a hint of jealousy because no other clubs really have the support that we do and they are unable to do that really because who's going to sing with them? Well, fair enough. Uh, yeah, Shots um, fired. But I, I completely agree with you. I absolutely love their home support. It's, you know, I said it to you before we started recording. There, there's something not just about the numbers you get down there because it, it's it's been packed every time I've been down there. But but the way that tin roof it all reverberates the noise when you're in there. I don't, what is what's does do you hear it all out on the ground as well? Does that project out? It's, yeah, you def you definitely hear it, and especially like like I said in the, in those dying moments when it's nil nil or you're losing and. And even at away games, you, you can feel it. Like, you can feel them pushing you on when you, you you get the one goal back against, say, Red Star away. You can only hear Sterling supporters, you know what I mean? And it's and it's not as it's not as much as you would at home. But in those home games, it's a proper echo. It feels like you're at a proper match. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, that's all well and good. We're going to duck through the results in the men's competition over the weekend. I guess since you're here, we'll start with Sterling 2, Inglewood 1. Uh Pretty, uh, I don't know whether it was a convincing win. You had the seven-minute opener that I don't think Nelson knew much about. Came off the back of his head. Um, Tanevsky, uh, nice composed side foot. Um, that was terrific play for that for that for that goal. It was really good ball out playing. Yeah, so yeah absolutely. Uh, and then yeah. I think Inglewood got an absolute screamer at the end there um, to, to late consolation goal. But obviously two 0 up for the majority of the game. What were your thoughts on Inglewood? The game was reasonably comfortable. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, probably the Inglewood game was probably our, the, the score doesn't reflect this, um, but I think it was our best performance so far this year. Um, I think we completely dominated from start to finish. I think the stats came up at the end. We had 80-something percent possession. Yeah, which really, highlights were all sterling. Yeah, yeah and, and, and it shows, and that's that's nothing. I think it's nothing against Inglewood. I just think we were on that day from the first whistle. We came off the back of a, a good win in the Cup and a win against Bayswater, so confidence was high. Um, it, look, going in, obviously, finishes 2-1. They did score a consolation goal off a long-range effort from, from Dorsey, who's a former player of ours, so we know that he's capable of that. But I don't really think it should have been 2-0 at that point. I think, you know, we, we were made if they came back, we were made to pay for our own mistakes because we did miss quite a few chances in that game. Kalichi? There was this hilarious moment in the game where the coach is yelling at his player, being like, mate, you've got to think about how you're dribbling. You're just, you're just dribbling for no reason. You're just dribbling. You've got to think about what you're doing. But that was a swarming defense, especially with um with Giles in there as well. Like oh, that, yeah. that midfield was swarming that game. Okay, well we'll skip on as well. A to <laughs> if, you, if you say that your perform performance was was dominant and and perhaps the scoreline didn't reflect it, uh, I'd say the Perth Soccer Club Gwellup scoreline absolutely reflected Perth's dominance. Gwellup nil, Perth Soccer Club seven. And boy, I'm telling you, did you see uh, Hassani Sinclair's header from the corner, Kalichi? Yeah. That is the worst set-piece defending, <laughs> I think. I, I, women's, men's, MPL, it's the worst set-piece defending I've ever seen in the MPL. Absolutely abysmal. Not a single player passed, basically, the the goals. No, no one anywhere near the back post. And Hassani's just gone. He started in the middle of the six-yard box. He's just backed off three yards and headed it in from three yards with no one around him. I I've never seen anything like he's, it. They, he's a sneaky guy though. He's hard to he's hard to to pinpoint. It's though, like it's he? like well, it's almost two? it's almost like well up at playing without a coach. To be honest with you, um, but they, yeah, they were abysmal. Perth having scored two goals all year now have nine, seven of them uh, against well up. But after three or four, you watch watch the highlights, watch the goals. It is well up have stopped. They've they they've got a centre half I think on the fifth goal. Walking back, playing everyone on side, he's just standing there. They'll go through. No one even turns around and, and tracks. It's honestly, it's, it's I, I feel for the players right now because it's got to be a tough time. It's got to be a real tough and awkward time, especially when the person who's supposed to be your leader is no longer there. Yeah. Um. It's uh, it was it was 
put it out as a, as a tough season. We picked them in terms of saying, look, we don't think you're going to have a great year this year. Um, we didn't want to say the R word. <laughs> but we did want to say it's going to be a tough year for them. And, and, oh, relegation. And, and, and yeah, okay. to, not the other R word. Um, <laughs> we never and, like saying that. We don't say that at all. Um, and to see to see it kind of come to fruition in such a manner is, is, is tough. But I think the next game is going to have to see what kind of character that team's got because it's a it's a very important game. Well, the, I mean, we, we asked, um, well, we've asked a few other questions. Before we ask you this one, um, Diane, we'll ask you the other big question we had last week. Uh, Twilight or Hunger Games? Can't say I'm a big fan of either. I'd probably go with Hunger Games. What about Harry Potter if we threw that in? Oh, yeah, I'll chuck Harry Potter. Okay, okay cool. Potter, All right. Um, the other question we've asked a lot, well, we asked a couple of weeks ago, was the biggest thumping you've ever taken, sport or not? What's what's the biggest uh, beating you got, you've got you ever taken in football? And, and then how do you come back from that? Hmm. Let me think about this one. Pro- I'm assuming it would have happened um, in the my last season at Sterling, Um before I left over east, uh, we, we copped a th- few thumpings and we were sitting rock bottom with about seven, eight games to go. And um, that, was the te- that was the year three teams got relegated. So we thought like we were doomed, we were out. And then, and then I, I can't explain what, what inspired the, the bounce back. But yeah, we copped a few, I think fours, fives, sixes that season. And then, yeah, I think we won seven out of the last eight, ended up finishing like seventh or eighth. So I don't really have a reason behind that, but yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, so uh, Diane can't help you grow up. You're going to have to find your own way out of it. Um, look, we've got, a, we've got a few other games we quickly need to move on, so we need to wrap up part two. Um, so we'll just run over the scores. Red Star 5, Glory nil. another big uh, result for Perth. Red Star puts them back top of the league, tied with Sterling, uh, but ahead on goal difference, having played a game more. Uh, we had Bayswater Armadale 1-1. Uh, Angel opener from the spot. He won the penalty. Didn't have any of that nonsense. Uh, you know, some players have the superstition. If they win a penalty, they can't take it. <laughs> no, none of that with Angel. He was straight up to grab the ball. Um, Cancelled out by a late Makeche goal. He's still banging them in. Uh, I was at Coburn Balcata. No goals there. Late red card to the Balcata captain for a pretty cynical uh, challenge on uh, Jesse Lazaro was he was uh, not through one on one, but he was certainly getting into a dangerous area. Just hacked him down from behind and uh, got his marching orders. Scorich had a one on one for Coburn that he should have buried, but other than that, there weren't a lot of great chances. Um, Can I was, just add as well? It should be mentioned. It's a massive week at the bottom. We we sort of didn't hit it with Gwellup before. Massive game this week. Gwellup versus Balcatta on oh, Saturday huge. afternoon. Yeah, well, I, well, and, I was, and, and this coming midweek as well. I think Coburn have got a catch up game with Gwellup and and also Balcatta in yep. action against Dayan Sterling as well. So it's going to be a big weekend for the shape up of how that that bottom of the table picture is going to look. Well, well, that was Balcatta. So and and I. I spoke to to their uh, coach before the game, and he was saying the performances haven't really been, uh, as you were saying before, performance doesn't always reflect the scoreline um, at the end of a game. But yeah, he's, he's said they've been playing better than the results. Uh, they played well enough against Coburn, but geez, they could they look like they could have played for another ten hours and not scored a goal. They'd, I just I don't know where their goals are coming from. I think that's going to be their hardest thing. They did pick up their first point of the season though, and as we mentioned, uh, stopping losing games is the first step towards starting winning games. <laughs> uh, so they've taken that first step against Coburn, um, and then. Final game, which we'll, we'll go on quickly. And, Tommy, you can give us a wrap-up of this one because you were on the call. It was Sorrento 1, Floriot 3 to uh, to rocket them back up into uh, the top three. Uh, how, how did that game go out? A convincing win in the end? They scored a couple late, didn't they? Yeah, it was a, it was a good game. Uh, I thought Sorrento started the game pretty well. Obviously went in front. Uh, Gustavo Marilanda penalty. It was a pretty clear-cut one. Ben Steele's arm was out. I, I don't think there were too many complaints about that. And then Bailey Brown Montgomery obviously got a, a hat trick, which uh, subsequently went on to sort of decide the game. The first was was a nice header, and we've sort of um, been worried about Florida in recent weeks. And they had a very different front three with with Mohamed Al Zaidi, with Alex Christodoulakis, and with Brown Montgomery as that front three, which is very unfamiliar. But they actually had a lot of energy, and that gave Sorrento's defence quite a few problems. They obviously equalised to make it one all at the break. Phil Arnold should have scored just before halftime, skying over from six yards. And then in the second half, Chris Jackson had two really good headed chances, which could have put Sorenzo back in front. But then the game just sort of gradually sort of turned back in Floriot's favour. And a couple of their experienced guys like... Um, like Ludovic Boy, really sort of started to gain control of it. I thought Andrew Palmer had a really good game as well, just box to box all day long. 
loads of energy. And then Brown Montgomery with two goals to take his tally to five for the season. And uh, yeah, he's a player who plays with, with a lot of attitude and um, a, a little bit of spunk. And, and um, when, when that's channeled in the right manner and in the right fashion, that can be a really valuable asset for a team. So while he's scoring goals and filling that void that Petkov's obviously uh, not there for to fill at the moment, that's something that Florick can sort of hold their hat on, I think. You mentioned attitude. He literally went and celebrated in the uh, defence. Oh, let's not get started on that shit again. Did the same? He did the same thing last week, and then this the, the, this was even worse. I mean, well, I I can't stand bloody Ronaldo's celebration, his bloody Sue celebration. I think that's one of the saddest things in football. Until I saw Bailey Brown Montgomery's celebrations every week, it's just go and yell in someone's face. Like just... <laughs> Bailey, come on the pod and, and talk to us about it. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're welcome. But I'll be, uh, I don't know. I don't think we could fit his ego through the door if um, those are his celebrations. Uh, but I'm not here to pick fights. I'm not here to make enemies. I just, it's it, not for me. It's not for me. Uh, look, that that is all for the men's NBL. Let's run on and on because we've had uh, such a wonderful guest in here to give us that insight into the NBL. So, Dan, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Honestly, good luck for the rest of the season. If Sterling are up there uh, come year's end, it's it's going to be exciting. That, sure, that Macedonia so. Park is going to be rocking. It's We're going to have some big games. So, Sean, so, clip this, but if the uh, Perth football curse is anything to go by, Probably not going to get three points in midweek. Cheers, guys. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, is, is that is that our fault? Well, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll hope that that's not a real thing. I'm not a superstitious man myself. But, yeah, thank you again, Dan, for coming in. Um, good luck for the rest of the season. I would say good luck with Arsenal next year, but, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mean it. Uh, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be back uh, with part three after this. And before we jump on to part three, just want to say a quick thank you to all of our sponsors, The Hush Connective. That's where we record all of these podcasts. Robbie Fig and The Hush Connective, a wonderful crew down there. So if you have a story to tell or a message to get out there, look up The Hush Connective on Facebook. Get down here at uh, 484 Albany Highway in Vic Park. You can record your very own podcast just like us. Also, a big thank you to Mind Body Lounge, also located here in Vic Park. They have some wonderful cryotherapy treatments and massage chairs uh, and other things. So if you want a little wellness uh, package, all you have to do is share any of Perth Football Podcast's posts this week on uh, Instagram or Facebook, and we'll put you in the running. So just click share, uh, and you'll also go in the running. If you'd rather, a physio consultation, our other wonderful sponsor, Physio for All, down in Oakford. So just click share on any of our posts, and you'll go into the running for a treatment here at My Body Lounge or a physio consult at Physio for All. We'll be back with part three in a sec. And we're back. Part three, women's NPL action. We are joined once again by Josh. We've got Tommy, we've got Kalichi, and we've got Luke Thompson back on the line. That's why I didn't say goodbye in part one, Luke, because we knew we'd be having you back in part three. You got the kids to bed? Yeah, mate, they're to bed. You sure you just didn't forget like you're normal, mate? No, mate. No, I would never forget you, Luke, and never forget you. Um, Although... Uh, the football world has forgotten a little bit about Murdoch University Melville in the women's NPL. What's been happening? You're not playing any games. Yeah, mate. unfortunately, COVID's affected our last two games. So two weeks ago against Perth, that was on our end. And then this week against Subi on their end. It just means that we've got a lot of games coming up. So we're playing Tuesday, Friday for the next three weeks to try and catch up. So almost Premier wow. League-like. Yeah. Um, so lots of recovery on our off days for the girls. And hopefully we can get through it. How how do you, how are you going to manage that with with such a, a young squad, Luke? Do you feel it's something where the young players are going to have have that enthusiasm? They're going to perhaps have that younger run in the legs to maybe be able to to sort of perform in, in that capability and and back that up on the Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, or is is that something that you're going to have to manage a little bit different? I, I think it's a bit of both. I've already started planning to put in some extra sort of sessions on the third, uh, a normal training session, things like yoga and Pilates at different studios to help manage um, help manage recovery. Um, we're very big at the club on our prehab to make sure we do manage all our, you know, so we don't get soft tissue injuries. But the young girls, they, some of them are playing, like I know this week there's a state under 14, under 16 football West trials, which some of them are at, and they've got school girl trials on Wednesday, which they're at. So these, the loading for some of these girls is significant and it's just something that we've just got to be aware of and manage. Um, and you throw some of them that actually play boys' NPL as well and you've just really, yeah, you've really got to try and look after them. 
And have you actually been able to train? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure who who had the cancellations in the previous two weeks. Whether it was yourselves one uh, in one of the weeks or or um, the opposition on a different week. But have you actually at least been able to get out on the park and maybe address a couple of things that you've noticed uh, over the first five or six rounds of the campaign? Uh, yeah, we have. We've sort of for us, and when it's been on our end, we've only really had like about a quarter of our group go out, so five or six players. Um, so we've still been able to get, you know, some numbers down in that mind. Just means involving the uh, resi side to with training as well to um, make sure we can get, you know, get things done that we want to get done tactically and, and prepare for games or at the moment lack of games that we've got a lot coming up. So yeah, we do we do our best. It's, it's we're not different to any other club at the moment. Like they're all everyone's going through the same. So and. Uh... Luke, I know you've been down at some of the 21s games. How important has it been for you to get out there and, and get a look of some, at some of those players that you said, the reserves that you've been able to bring in to, to train and potentially play games with the first team? Oh, it's been significant. Um, so knowing who to bring on and where. So, for example, against Red Star, I knew um, I had to bring one of my players off at half time. So because I'd been at 21s games previous weeks, I knew which player could step straight in and... And that was a, young, a girl named Charlotte, and she did a wonderful job against Red Star when she came on, um, ran ran her socks off, and did really did a good job when she came on. It was already three 0 when she came on, and she, we didn't concede, so she did a really good job. And I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't have spent time at all the games. Like they're part of our club, and I get down to the under 16s games as well when possible to help, you know, with the coach with the coaches and the girls, and give them some feedback and. Yeah, we definitely try and address everything as a whole club. So a quick look across the other fixtures. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned already, Murdoch didn't play their game against Subiaco this week. Curtin University 2, Fremantle 6. That's a, a big result. That's that's the form that we were sort of expecting out of Fremantle at the start of the year, I think. Everyone here uh, would agree. Did anyone catch any of that, that game there? That was a crazy, bizarre game. So it was nil-nil at half-time. Fremantle City went up 1-0. Uh, they conceded two goals from a corner and a free kick in quick succession and then straight from the kickoff made it 2-2 and eventually ran over the top of Curtin when uh, Michaela Lyons sort of turned it on a little bit, the, the Fremantle captain. that's the That, that was the, the real funny part is all three of us were actually there, Tommy, myself and Josh, um, watching that game. And um, as soon as it went 2-1, Tommy went to us and said, Michaela's going to turn it on here. And long ball in, takes a touch, wins the penalty, gets up, scores a penalty, gets an assist, and bang, it's it's 3-2. And it was just, it was a, a kind of clinical performance. And yeah, you're right, it's eight goals in the second half. You don't really see that often. Yeah, really strange. And it was, uh, and it was really, it was they, they had quite a few players out, Fremantle actually. They're really struggling for numbers. So they had uh, Laura Waltman was out, Tash Rigby still injured, and she was also at the um, the Perth Glory Awards night. Siobhan Longmore was um, away as well. Siobhan Longmore was away. So lots of players that they didn't have available to pick from. And uh, when they did go behind, Michaela Lyons and Jamie Lee Gale was the other Perth Glory player they've got in the squad uh, along with Tash Rigby. And, um, you know, that they really just, the, the class really stood out. So Jamie Lee Gale scored two good goals, rounding the goalkeeper, Stacey Cavill. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was the difference between the two sides, I think. Yeah, two goals in four yeah. minutes for Jamie Lee there. And, and we, yeah, Jamie's someone, Jamie's someone I rate so highly. I must admit, I'm not going to lie, she's someone I tried to sign at the start of the season, but unfortunately didn't go my way. And just her form so far, especially as that sort of older head amongst those young girls, because they had so many under-21s playing in their team that night, just really shows. I mean, that experience between her and Michaela was just really showed out in the end, I think. All right. The other game, or the two other games that were played, Hyundai NTC going down one goal to five. Perth Red Star, that global Red Star domination, Kalichi is coming on 5-1. We know that the NTC can be vulnerable when they start conceding goals. Um, but, yeah, Red Star, top top of both tables now, Kalichi. Top of the men's, top of the women's. Is this the communist uh, takeover that you've been expecting? I was going to say, uh, Josh had an interesting shirt on in the, uh, the midweek, which has taken up a bit of slander. Uh, okay, please oh, tell me more. Good. I didn't hear about this. Oh, my Ho Chi Minh top. Uh, on election day, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I got. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It sounded it sounded like you're talking about domino theory though here with with Perth. Oh, Red let's Star. just get right back to the commies being top of the league. They're on a superb run of games, and I think this is like their first goal they may have conceded in four games or something like that. Red star, red hot, not yeah. just in the women's but in the men's Ooh, as well yeah, as you said before. I mean, Tommy, thirty four goals now in seven games. They they are just so ruthless going forward and. The game was actually decided by set pieces on the weekend. I mean, Sarah Carroll's deliveries from the wider positions just gave NTC's defence so many issues. And, um, yeah, there was that, that, that was just the, the crucial part of the game, really. NTC did occasionally threaten on the counter-attack when they could get the ball into the feet of Lala, and she was able to sort of um, burst away a little bit and, and use her pace and bring Meaden into the game. But she got the goal. She did, and it, and it was a well-taken goal from Georgia Cassidy's pass, but... Yeah, Red Star are just so formidable at the moment. Um, and I've said it before, they're, they're seven points clear at the top. It's going to be very um, difficult to see who's going to catch them. I think Luke caught a little bit of the game as well. And, and having coached against them this season, Luke, what makes them what makes them such a strong side aside from the obvious things that we've sort of already discussed in terms of uh, uh, putting the goals in the back of the net and keeping clean sheets? You can't fight the experience. The amount of players they've got that have played so, so many games for the WMPL is just just they're just calm they're collected and to be they're a very well organized side um they're probably one of the teams that work the hardest at set pieces um i know that they um you know little birdies tell me how often they work at set pieces and it really shows like even in the night series i think most of their goals came from set pieces um and and then, it's, as you just said, just then they got all five goals from set pieces on the weekend. Like they work really hard at it, and I think it's an area of the women's game that can be exploited. Because um, I think what Curtin's two goals were set pieces. Perth's goal on the weekend was a set piece. Um, I think yeah, which something that we need need to work on, and it's both defending and attacking set pieces as well. Mate, it's like I've coached you on this myself. That uh, segues beautifully into Perth Soccer Club one uh, away. At Balcata, Etna, who scored none? You're saying that was a set-piece goal. Do you know who scored it? Abby Meekins. Uh, oh, yeah. there you go. Oh, it was the direct, wasn't it? I, I did see yeah, that it one. It was a good finish. It was good for Abby's got a um, she's, she's got a bit of history from range down there. So she is. She's very she's very good on the dead balls, and she's also capable of scoring the spectacular. I, but I this think was... she banged one in at Grindleford, the the one one uh, game I was up there. Yeah. Um, so, but big big result for Perth. And, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's hard to... Yeah, get too excited about any of these results as long as Red Star keep winning. I just love them to lose one or two to maybe if they can just lose to Fremantle, get that gap at seven points at the moment though. So it, it it's looking hard. But one uh, very important uh, thing that I wanted to mention uh, in that uh, Balcata Perth game, uh, you all know exactly what I'm going to start talking about. We might as well just go on to everyone's favourite segment. Or girl, on this occasion, girl, Monique D'Opera, Perth Football Podcast friend. She was in here. We asked her how many red cards has she had in her career. (laughs) She said none. Uh, Josh? The same amount of uh, Kalichi I've heard. Same amount as uh, Kalichi, although he just racks them up in the preseason, gets them all out of his system. We know that. Uh, Monique doesn't seem like that type. But she did um, pick up her first... Balcata red card and she's been there a long long time so I don't want to say it's our fault that she came in we asked how many red cards she got she said none and then three weeks later she gets her first red card ever but I mean it it does it does feel like correlation doesn't it now now you what reached out to Monique for comment and what did what did she have to say so I sent her a message saying a red card today we're going to have to get you on the phone and uh, to talk about the booking and she said Kalichi honestly other than I generally don't think I deserved it no other comments. Okay. What would um, what would Snoop from The Wire have to say about that, Kalichi? Deserve got nothing to do with it. Deserve got nothing to do with it. But, to be fair, did everyone see it? I think it was a red card. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Monique. It looked, uh, looked pretty clear cut to me. Tommy? Yeah, it looked unfortunate. It was one of those ones where Liana Cook just sort of was always in, in the in the position where she was through on goal, Monique was giving chase. There may have been a, a, a tangle of legs or a, a bit of contact as well. I don't think anyone's suggesting it was intentional. No, no. Like she, she didn't mean to bring it no, down. I'm, I'm going to back Monique here and say it was, it was a dive. 
<laughs> there we Nick go. is an absolute dive defender. No, 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 no. But now, but now you say that, you've now got to get comment from Liana because you're slandering her name now. Yeah, Kalichi, this you're starting fight. You're through on goal. You've got to do a lot more. To, you to, can't. To, you to, can't just get comment from Monique. It's not fair. Liana, yeah. Liana come on the show. Well, nah, whatever. It was a red card. Sorry, it was Monique. Red. Well, uh, it was a red. <laughs> I tried, Monique. I tried. Uh, look, that wraps up the uh, women's MPL with Red Star seven points clear on top. Curtin currently bottom of the league, three points behind Balcata in seventh. Uh, it's been a wonderful afternoon. We're all very tired. I know I'm looking around at the bleary eyes of the Leeds fan that stayed up and had the joy of watching his team stay in the Premier League. Uh, what, looking in the eyes of a Liverpool fan who didn't get to watch his team win that league last night, unfortunately. It was and just a tiny bit emotional, wasn't it, mate? And a West... Oh, mate, we, you missed part one, but um, I, I almost burst into tears in part one, so we don't need to do that again. And also looking in the bright-eyed, uh, bushy-tailed West Ham fan who... I guess just knew nothing was going to happen last night. And I'm just very excited to find out what the UEFA Conference League really is. Oh, well, find out this week. Jose and the boys. I think it's Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Tune into that one. We'll um, discuss that. I'm probably in very brief passing on uh, the next episode of we the We won't Football talk Podcast. about it at all. We and, will. And let's, we never will. Talk, let's never talk about this season again, please. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much uh, for listening, whoever you are. Please, please, please. Jump on whatever your podcast provider is. Like, rate, subscribe. Even if it's a one star. No, don't do the one stars. Share. We, if you we, do we a one star, we're happy if you do a one star, but give us some actual con- like constructive feedback there. So yeah. We've got no problem if you're telling us it's hot garbage. Get rid of Josh. Tell us why it's garbage. If you don't like Josh's face, that's absolutely fine. We can get rid of him. Well, you don't. <laughs> they don't see You don't need face, to see anyway. my face. He's got the perfect face for podcasts. They see his face all the time on the videos we share. We need to go home and get to bed. They, can, they can tell me to get off the videos. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Thompson, uh, thank you so much for your time and for joining us. No, thank you. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, Luke, th- do you want to give us a comment on why you were away a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> Just say <laughs> no comment. Just say no comment. Uh, no. No, okay, no comment. You get, get me out of it. Always say no comment. Uh, Tommy Dolman, thank you. Always a pleasure. See ya. We are staying up, so we are staying up. <laughs> Josh Jart. Uh We are in the Conference League. <laughs> okay, Kalichi Zanwa. Hope is a good thing. Maybe even the best of things. And yeah. no good thing ever dies. And it's the hope that kills you. I've been Sean. Uh, thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.